Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Keeping It Real Estate with Chris Bober. This podcast is brought to you by Team Bober at Nebraska Realty. I am Chris Bober, um, one of the co-owners of the team. My wife, Jennifer, and I run it. And our mission is to educate and empower our clients to make great real estate decisions. We help people experience the American dream of home ownership. Now, if you're listening to this as a podcast, please click the subscribe button wherever you're finding this. And that way, you'll be notified of any new episodes that come out. And if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and click the little subscribe button down in the corner and also the little, the little notification bell so that you can be a part and obviously know when new videos are coming out. So um, we are in the fall here, November of 2021, and the real estate market's still going hot. And what we're seeing is um, the existing market is, is going crazy. I mean, we wrote two offers this weekend and there's eight offers on each one. With for our buyers, so it's, it's tough, and one of the one of the options for people out there is new construction. And here to help me understand some new construction is my good friend Nick Zwiebel. Nick is the owner of Exarbon Mortgage. Nick, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. And Nick's a guy that I've known, trusted, worked with for for years and years. One of the best in the business. And um, Nick. Today, I wanted to talk about new construction financing, right? And every month on our website and our blog, uh, we kind of have a you know, a theme. And this month in November, it's new construction. And it seems to fit really well this time of year because people are looking towards next year, right? They start uh, picking out the lot, picking out some of the things they want, and they say, okay, we're going to make a move next year. Let's get the ball rolling for new construction. Now, we, we obviously as realtors, we help them with you know, finding the, the lot and helping with the builder and stuff. But an enormous part of this is the financing. Now, there's basically two ways to finance new construction, right? You have option number one, which is you buy the lot either on your own or from the builder, and then you use that lot as collateral to finance a construction note all the way through, paying the interest. And then at the end, you basically refinance that um, that loan and you purchase and own the house and the, and the land too. And then the next one is to put a certain amount of money down, whatever the builder wants or the contract says, and then they build the house and you basically purchase it from the builder at the end. So let's go into the, the, the one that to me seems a little more complicated. Tell me from a lender side, how does the financing work when someone wants to buy the lot and then carry the construction with themselves? Yeah, so when they buy the lot and carry the construction loan, obviously they've already put the money down for the lot or there's you know a lot of lenders and banks out there that will let you finance a certain percentage of the lot. <clears throat> so you'll have a lot loan and then you transfer it into a construction loan. And then what happens is any amount that's being drawn um, by the builder to help pay for your new construction project, you're paying an interest only payment to the bank that you currently have the construction loan with. Um, so you're paying on it throughout the entire process. Um, there's um, the advantage to that is you own the lot. And so when you close on the property, um, when the construction's done and you essentially buy it fully from the builder is um, the purchase price is not going in like a Sparta County record or anything like that. So a lot of times um, the taxes assessed value may in some instances be less than what it would be by traditionally just buying a house that's already uh, been built and you have a full purchase price with a, a construction build plus the lot. So a lot of um, individuals opt to go that route in hopes that it keeps their tax assessed value down, which in turn uh, keeps the property taxes lower too as well. And then also some builders, 
um, as an incentive, will give a little bit of a discount off the total bill price if you carry the, uh, the loan. So you're taking on all the risk. The builder recognizes that. Plus, the builder is not having to pay interest, you know, as a consumer is throughout the construction process. So some builders, you know, it's all over the board, but some might give, you know, a few percentage uh, points off the total purchase price of the house or maybe just get a, a flat discount of a, maybe a certain amount, whether that's, you know, 10000 off the entire project, 15000 or that is, is different and every price range would, of course, be different. For the builder. Yeah. So let's kind of break that down just a little bit. Um, so you go and purchase the lot and a lot, lot loan usually is a little bit more money down. Like it's not usually a high percentage of, of debt to, to money down. You're going to put 20, 30, 40% down or 50% sometimes yes. by the lot. Um, and then as it goes on, the builders, you know, because we did this when we built a house and I've helped clients do it. Right. So there's a process that goes on kind of behind the scenes where, the builder goes and completes part of it. They call the bank, the lender, and they come out and then inspect it. And then they release the money to the builder to pay for the work that was just done. And approximately every month, they add up what's come out uh, to the builder and the, the buyer, the purchaser, just pays the interest on it, right? And every month that changes, it goes up. Yes. Yeah, so, there, so you're really, you know, in the beginning, you're, you're paying for... The, the frame, the lumber, the concrete. And then of course the finishings keep adding on to it. Um, so that's somewhat of an advantage because you know, you take the risk of carrying it, but you're also only paying the interest. Um, and then at the end you talked about it, you don't really have two closings. It's just a refinancing, right? Right. Yeah. So basically say you put a hundred thousand dollars down the lot and whatever you did, you paid the interest. And then at the end, let's say it's a $500,000 house. Well, you basically refinance a construction loan into a permanent loan, and that doesn't go down really as a record. It's just a refinance. Now, um, you're talking about the tax potential tax advantage, where um, and maybe translate a little bit on that. Um, when you buy a house, the purchase price is of record, so it gets recorded. Right. And I, you know, they 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 say it doesn't, but I think that it has a huge effect on the the assessed value. Yes. Right. So if the house gets purchased at 500,000, they're like, okay, wow, we're going to assess it at about, you know, 92 to 95% of 500,000. But if you do the refinance route where you carry the construction note, they don't know how much that house was built for and how much you paid for it. So they have to literally do the appraisal value. They have to have it. I mean, they don't go and order an appraisal, but they do like a mass appraisal in the area. So sometimes you can. They have a little bit of an advantage on that side, right? Right, definitely. So, yeah, when you're carrying the construction loan, you do the refinance at the end. There's no transfer of uh, deed uh, that's recorded um, for the builder selling it to the buyer. So it's just a refinance. So the county really just has to go off of kind of similar homes in the area. So if you're building a nicer house with a finished basement, a little bit more upgrades, that may actually end up costing a little bit more than what the average home that your building is in that neighborhood uh, typically would cost, you're not showing the county a higher purchase price, which, you know, the county does go off of uh, the purchase price a little bit, or it does help them kind of judge what your tax assessed value is going to be. So more often than not, what we see is somebody that carries their own loan and does the refinance at the end. On average, we see the 
the assessed value being a little bit lower than what other similar home, new construction homes are in that neighborhood. Not always the case, but on average, you see it coming a little bit lower than, than what you would if you would actually show a transfer um, from the builder to the buyer in the uh, purchase price is part of county records. So that's kind of, you know, on average, you'll see a little bit lower taxes um, or tax assessed value. Well, and speaking of taxes, um, you know, of course, when you do purchase a, a property, you have to pay the, the, the property taxes on it. And if it's an existing property, those, those taxes are set based upon the assessment in the mill levy. So you apply the mill levy to the assessed value. That's your tax amount for the year. Um, now, when you build new construction, it's a little bit different. Right. I'm going to I'm going to I'm, I'm going to tell you what we say and I'm going to ask you what you tell clients. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so let's just say you build a five hundred thousand dollar house. Well, the county comes out and appraises the property once a year. Right. Mm -hmm. And let's just say they appraised it in April and it was only at like the stud phase. And so they could it's not worth a lot because there's no house there yet. So they appraise it for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But then you close on it in October and it's a half million dollar house. Well, they're not going to appraise it until the next year in the spring or whenever they come out. However, since you owned it from, let's say, October 1st, they're going to go back and they're going to retroactively apply the mill levy to the property's value the day of the closing. So what we try to tell people is we try to estimate the mill levy for the neighborhood based upon the, what the county charges, the estimated of their purchase price. You know, it's not going to be quite as high because it's more of an assessment. Mm -hmm. And then we say... That's what your payment's going to be. Even if your mortgage payment with principal interest taxes is a little lower, then put that in the bank and just don't touch it because they're going to come back and get it, right? And right. That, happened, that happened to us. If you build a house, they're going to retroactively assess your property from when you owned it, even if they don't assess it till the year later. So that's usually a big surprise. How do you handle that with clients? Yeah, I say exactly that. So I always tell them that whatever that purchase price estimate is going to be, we go to the county assessor and they have on there what the tax levy is and whatever the purchase price or final bill price is going to be. Um, you take that. We always take it times either 90, usually 90 percent times the tax levy. And we say on average, a year or two down the road, your full taxes are going to roughly be this. And so the first year, like you said, you may only be paying the lot taxes because when the county went out, maybe the house wasn't built yet or might be a partial assessment because only studs were up. So you're not paying the full taxes. You know, if you close um, in 2021 right now, November, you may only be paying the lot taxes for all of 2022. But when the county goes out next year, they'll reassess it to maybe a little bit closer to that purchase price. So your taxes will go up to the full tax assessed amount in 2023. 20, uh, so it's usually always at least a year behind. And even sometimes, you know, depending on when you close throughout the year, it might be two years behind where you're only paying lot taxes, then partial taxes, then the third full year you're paying the full taxes. And usually we always try to estimate that at 90% of the purchase price. And we tell the clients, you know, start right away that if you know taxes are going to be $700 a month and we're only collecting $100 a month right now because they're only lot taxes, put that extra $600 into like a separate savings account just so you get used to that payment. So when that full payment does come due, it's no shock to you and you already have the money in the bank account that you've been saving. Yep. And it's amazing how often that happens. I mean, it's so hard. It's, it's, it makes sense to you and I. But it's so hard to get homeowners to understand that that money is going to be due. Even they can go back a year or two 
previous and get that money from you. So yeah, great, great point there. Um, okay. Let's talk about the second, you know, that's a, I think good information there. Let's talk about the second option here. Um, and that's where you basically, you enter into a contract with the builder and mm -hmm. they build the house for you based upon their build contract. You know, we have a new construction contract, whatever it is. And the, you're going to have, they're going to have design, they're going to have plans and build the house. They take, they carry the financing. And then at the end of it, you purchase it for them based upon what they built. Now tell me, that it's a little different process because the financing really isn't till the end, right? So right. you want to get an approval letter that they're approved. But how do you how do you handle that? Because I know interest rates can change and prices go up can go up and down. But tell me from a lender's perspective, what's the best way to go about that? Yeah. So from our perspective, what we do is we get the final um, contract price up front from the builder, including the lot, and whatever that final price is going to be we'll send them through full underwriting and give them fully underwritten and approved. So that way the client and the builder knows based on today's cost and prices that they are for sure to go or good to go. And what we always do is we usually right now we've been um, putting them in about a half percent above market rate. So if the market mm -hmm. rate today is three percent, we'll underwrite them at three and a half percent in hopes that when the construction is done eight to nine months down the road, that the rates haven't risen more than a half a percent. We still always want to make sure there's a little bit of cushion beyond that because eight, nine months, you never know what can happen in the market. Rates could easily go more than a half percent over a year's time. So what we also discuss too as well is we have extended rate lock programs um, anywhere from six to 12 months that we can lock in at a certain rate above today's market rates. And you put a small deposit down up front so that way you're locked in at that rate and whatever that construction rate is that we can lock them in at for the long-term extended rate lock, we'll usually try and underwrite them off of that rate. So mm -hmm. knowing that doesn't matter what rates do over the next, you know, eight, nine, 10 months, as long as they're locked in on an extended rate lock, fully underwritten, and then the price hasn't changed for any reason, or you haven't gone, you know, above and beyond with your upgrades that you'll for sure qualify and be able to close when construction periods um, done. Um, and lately, a lot of new construction has been taking even longer than eight, nine, ten months. We have to get the estimate from the builder and try to gauge that way. You know, if they need a 12 month extended rate lock or if they just need a nine month, uh, the lower, the shorter the extended rate lock terms are, the better those maximum interest rates will be. And another cool thing about extended rate locks is you get locked in. So you have peace of mind. So if rates take off over the next year, you know the max your rate can go. But if rates don't take off and they stay low like they are now, you can float down your rate one time within 60 days of closing, usually about an eighth percent above market rates at that time. So it gives you a peace of mind that the rates, should, you know, if they do take off, this is the max your rate and payment will go. But if they stay low, you have the peace of mind that when you get close to closing, you can lock back in at the lower rates. So by us doing that up front and getting everyone locked in on the extended rate locks, you know, with a little bit of worry that rates might go up next year. No one's saying that they'll take off, but for the ones that want that peace of mind, you can definitely get locked in long-term. So you're protected the entire year, no matter what happens next year. Nice. It's kind of the best of both worlds and a little bit of a peace of really? mind for a small piece of a uh, chunk of change. Um, now, what are you seeing out there when it comes to like increasing in like materials or the cost of new construction? Um, I can't say personally, we've seen a lot of it. We've been very lucky with the builders we're with. They're, they're pretty consistent. But um, how do you handle the potential increase in, in like material costs and stuff? Do you just maybe kind of over like under promise? You know what I mean? Like say someone's they're they're um, approved for 600. Well, let's not have the, the new construction price be 600. 
because likely it's right. going to come in over, maybe go down to 550 or something. Is that the best plan or how, how do you see, how do you handle that? Yeah, that's what I highly recommend. Just, you know, with COVID and everything and the way lumber prices were changing there for a while, and still it's a little uncertainty still today with other materials and how much the final bill price and end price will be. We're very cautious with clients, especially on the new construction that, you know, we'll look at the max, you know, price range that you can go up to. If the max price range is well above anything that you're thinking about, like, you know, if you can go, like you said, you know, if you can go up to 600, 650 and you're looking at building 5, 550, you're going to be pretty safe for the most part. Now, if we have a client that comes in, it's like, you know, absolutely love this house, love this builder at 600 and we can only qualify them at 600. Then that's mm-hmm. where we need to start having the conversations, whether that's, hey, maybe we got to look at, you know, taking some stuff out of the house. Maybe you shouldn't finish the basement. Or if there might be some other options out there, like there might be debt that you can be able to pay off or maybe look at doing a bridge loan, taking out a bridge loan at a lower um, interest only um, rate during the construction period and pay off maybe some consumer debt, whether that's, you know, revolving credit cards, high interest credit cards or high interest personal loans. It kind of will also factor in their overall debt structure structure to see if there's anything else that we can do um, if they do get in that situation where they're maxing out the their uh, purchase price to what they actually qualify for. So there's always some options and different scenarios you can look at depending on the client. Yeah, as you can tell, um, for those of you listening and watching this, you know, to go and build a house requires a lot of a lot of work, right? Um, you got the builder obviously who's going to be performing the work and overseeing that. Um, another big part of it's the lender. I mean, the financing it isn't like they give you a letter and in 30 days you're going to show up and, and they're going to give you the money, right? It's, it's much more complicated because there's a time factor. There's a lot of variables that happen, rates change, things like that. Then, of course, um, you got us realtors who are, are kind of like what I think of like the glue, right? We're trying to like hold it all together and provide um, communication between everyone. But everyone has an equal part here. And, and what I would stress is that if you're going to, look to build a house, there's going to be work on, on your end too. The, the consumer will have to do some work. They got to, you know, really hustle for financing. They're going to have to do selections. They're going to have to do site visits, stuff like that. And then if you want to get the benefit of like a construction loan, well, you're going to have to sign up every month on, on the releases. So it's no small undertaking. And, you know, hopefully if you could see the process that it takes and, and see what it's like to have professionals, you know, guys like Nick and myself, and a good builder, we form a, a great team to always work together. We've done it with Nick so many times, and, and he's done a great job for us. So, Nick, I, we really appreciate it. Um, for more information about Nick, exarbonmortgage.com. He's located here in Omaha. He's been in the business for over 20 years. Um, went out on his own. He's doing really well. So Nick can take care of all your financing, refinancing, construction loans, existing, uh, whatever you need out there. So look him up on exarbonmortgage.com, and he'll take care of you. So, um, Nick, man, I really appreciate you coming on, educating us about new construction financing. So hopefully people see this and they'll be calling me and calling you to build a house. Definitely. Thanks a lot, Chris. All right, buddy. We'll see you next time. All right. Take care.